Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word and we thank you for the great pleasure it gives us to look into it and to find there the words that give us eternal life, words that encourage us to be faithful and true to you. Lord, we pray this morning that we may be challenged by what your word has to say and may we go out from here this morning more faithful to you, trusting in you, believing in you in a way that we weren't when we came in. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few weeks ago I spoke on the subject of grumbling and this morning I want to speak on that again to some extent because that's come up in the book of Hebrews, which is what we've been working through. And if you're like me, you do know what it is to grumble. I spoke about my grumbling in the past and one of the things that I particularly like to grumble about is telecommunications companies. The people that you have to sign up for to have a mobile phone, to have a home phone, to have an internet connection at home... These telecommunication companies, that uh, there's many of them in Australia, and I have an equal contempt for most of them. I don't like telecommunication companies, and I grumble about them. I grumble about them uh, for many reasons, and I think the reasons why I grumble about them is because I just don't trust them. I just don't believe in them. I don't believe in their faithfulness in service toward me. They overcharge me at times. They're slow to act when I want them to do something. It can often take three days to, for them to just, it seems to me, flick a switch uh, according or press a computer button so that I will have access to something I want to have access to. And sometimes you get them to come to the house to connect and they give you a six-hour window to be home in and then they don't show up at all. And so then I grumble, grumble, grumble about these telecommunication companies. And it's because I think I don't trust them, that my unbelief in telecommunications companies then manifests itself in my grumbling about them. We've been looking at the subject of grumbling, particularly in Hebrews, as it's come up in Hebrews chapter 3. And it started in verse 7 where we saw that Uh, the author of Hebrews was reminding the Hebrew Christians about the grumbling that went on in the desert when God rescued the Israelites from Egypt. And so he reminded them with a quotation from a psalm about how God got angry with the way that they were testing him by grumbling in the desert. And that's the last sermon that I gave before I went on annual leave was about God's anger towards people who grumble towards those who have hard hearts toward him. This morning, I want to look a little bit deeper under the surface of grumbling. We've seen that grumbling is bad. We've seen that God gets angry at grumbling. I want to look at the root cause of the Israelite grumbling and the root cause then of our grumbling when we grumble, particularly when we grumble about what God is doing in our lives. And so that brings me to my first main point this morning. You sin and grumble because you don't believe. We're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 this morning. So just one verse this morning. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. And the first thing that we see is, is that it's unbelief that is the root cause of our sin and our grumbling. Just as my grumbling about telecommunications company is related to my unbelief in them to perform a service that I expect them to do, so our grumbling about what God has done in our lives, I think this verse quite clearly states, is because of our unbelief in God. We read in verse 12 of Hebrews chapter 3, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. 
Now, it may seem to you that having a sinful heart and an unbelieving heart are the same thing, that we've got two adjectives here in the verse 12 about the heart. So a sinful heart is an unbelieving heart. And so why should I say that unbelief is the root cause of our grumbling and particularly our sin? Well, the translation here isn't uh, the best of translations when it comes to what the Greek text actually says. I actually prefer the King James Version here, where it says that, uh, see to it that you do not have a sinful, uh, an evil heart of unbelief. Of unbelief. So if you were to take the NIV there, it'd be a sinful heart of unbelief. The unbelief is uh, what we call a genitive, and it's of, and it's basically a quality. So the unbelief is the quality of the heart. So the heart is sinful. Why is the heart sinful? Well, it's because it has the quality of unbelief. Unbelief in God is what makes this heart a sinful, evil heart. And I think we can also see later on in this text, uh, in verse 19, that unbelief is the root cause of the Israelites' problems as well. What do we read in verse 19? So we see that they, that's the Israelites, were not able to enter, that's uh, the promised land, because of their unbelief. It is unbelief that is the root problem with the Israelites. The reason they sin, the reason they grumble against God. It is because they do not believe in God. They do not trust God as they should. And what is the result of their unbelief? Well, they get the label of having a sinful heart, but it also plays out here, we see the result of unbelief in verse 12, that turns away from the living God. If you have an unbelieving heart, you will turn away from the living God, verse 12 says. And that makes sense. If you do not trust God, does that mean you don't trust anything? No, you'll end up trusting something else. And so you'll turn your trust away from God and to something else. You'll turn away from the living God to trusting in something else to make you happy, to make you content. And usually, if you want to try and isolate what that thing will be, it's usually the exact opposite of what you're grumbling about. If you're grumbling about someone in particular then you usually are trusting that if you have that person out of your life or they do what you want, you trust that that will then make you happy. And so we see that unbelief is the root cause of sin and grumbling in our lives. And we see this in the lives of the Israelites as well. How do they show unbelief by grumbling? How do they show unbelief in God? What do they grumble about first of all then? Well, most of the time they grumbled about the harsh living conditions they had. They were in the desert, and deserts aren't fun places to live. Uh, it always never ceases to amaze me that some people like to go out into the desert, like to go out for trips to th- places like Ayers Rock and you know isolated areas, because deserts, of course, they lack those wonderful things that we enjoy so much of water and food. And that's what the Israelites experienced. They experienced a lack of water and they experienced a lack of food in the desert and so they grumbled against God because of the lack of food and water that they had, the harsh living conditions they were in. But how does that show that they didn't believe in God? Well, when they grumbled, what were they saying about God? Well, firstly, they might be saying that he doesn't exist at all, that there is no God up there. If there was a God then he would be doing something about these harsh living conditions. 
But it may not be that they were complete atheists. It may be that they just didn't believe that God was a good God. So they had unbelief about God's goodness. They were saying, if God is indeed a good God, then he would do something about my harsh living conditions. Or maybe they do acknowledge that God exists and that God is good, but they then just have an unbelief about God's sovereignty, his power. They think God is good, he is there, but he really can't do anything about my living conditions. He would like to do something about them, but I don't believe he can do something. And so we see that they were unbelievers. They may not have been complete, outright unbelievers, but they certainly didn't believe the things about God that they should have, otherwise they wouldn't have complained at all. And this is the same for you when you grumble against God for what he is doing in your life. This is what the author of Hebrews wants to tell us. When you grumble, you are not believing the way you should. You are showing that you have an unbelieving heart. When you complain about your life, you are showing that either you don't believe God exists at all, because otherwise you'd do something about whatever is the problem in your life. Or you show that you don't believe that he is a good God because otherwise he would do something about your life. Or you show that maybe you don't believe he is sovereign God. He is all-powerful. Otherwise he would do something about what's going on in my life. And so when you grumble, you're showing that you either think he's not there at that present moment or you think he's not the good sovereign God that you sometimes at other points say that he is indeed. You're manifesting unbelief in your heart. And so maybe something as simple as uh, grumbling about what God is doing in your life in a particular illness, a particular sort of suffering that you're experiencing. As you suffer and experience great pain, just as many of the Israelites experience pain in the desert, you start to grumble against God. You start to think, God, are you really there? If you are there, you wouldn't be letting this happen to me. Or you start to grumble against God and say, yes, you're there, but you can't be a good God when you let this happen to me, this pain that I'm feeling. Or you show unbelief that God is sovereign. You think, oh, God, you are there, but you're good, but obviously you can't do anything about what's going on in my life right now. And so you're manifesting unbelief when you grumble in that way, when you grumble against God for what he is doing in your life. You're clearly showing that you can't understand that the pain that you're experiencing must be somehow for your good. That God has somehow given you this in his goodness for your benefit. You obviously don't believe that God is one who looks after you. And you've obviously started to forget what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. You don't believe that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for a sinner such as you. Because if you really, really believe that God sent his one and only son to die for you, then would you grumble about anything that God does to you subsequently, to that faith that you have in God and his son and his actions at the cross for you? So when you grumble against God, you are showing that you certainly don't believe that he is the one that is described in the scriptures, the one who has given his one and only son to you. 
But is grumbling that serious? Well, a few weeks ago I did show that grumbling is something that God takes very seriously. And unbelief is something that God takes very seriously. We saw the wrath of God. And even in this text, verse 12, the author of Hebrews wants to remind us of that fact as well. What does he say? See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Not just God, but the living God. If you do not believe in God, does that really matter? Does that mean that God somehow doesn't exist? No, he is the living God. If you don't believe in him, God certainly is still there, regardless of whether you believe in him or not. And one day you will face him, and he will make you answer for your unbelief, for your grumbling, for your sinful, unbelieving heart. And so we have to be very careful that we don't have a heart that is sinful, sinful of unbelief. So how do we avoid having a heart that is sinful? a sinful heart of unbelief. Well, that brings me to my second main point this morning. See to it that you believe. See to it that you believe. And that's what he tells us to do, the author of Hebrews, in verse 12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. We need to see to it that we do not have a heart of unbelief. How do you do that? How do you see to it? How do you watch out that you don't have a heart of unbelief? Well, I've got a few tips. Firstly, see to it by checking for unbelief in your heart. See to it by checking for unbelief in your heart. You need to keep an eye out for warning indicators, just as a person who drives a motor vehicle, a car, keeps an eye out for warning lights that might come up on his dashboard. So you should also watch out for little warning indicators that your heart is in trouble, your heart is sick, your heart has a problem of unbelief. What are the little warning indicators that you have? You don't have some shiny, nice little lights on your arm that light up when you've got a problem, like you do in a car. What are warning indicators? Well, it's sin, and particularly a sin of grumbling. Every time you sin, every time you grumble, you're stating something about your belief in God. You're stating that you don't believe he exists, or you're stating that he isn't good, or you're stating that he isn't sovereign, or you're stating that his son wasn't given for you. And that's a little warning indicator. Every time you grumble or sin, you've got to look and go, I'm showing unbelief in my heart. And then what do you do? Well, you see to it, through fixing unbelief by repentance and faith. It's not good enough for a car owner to see a little oil light come on his car and then go on about his merry way. You have to fix that problem. You have to work out why the oil light has come on and address that issue. And so it is with you. When you see sin and grumbling there and you make the right diagnosis that there's a problem with my belief in God in my heart here, then you need to fix that problem of unbelief. And how do you do that? Well, it's by those two things that I encourage you again and again to do. Repent and believe. Repentance and faith. You need to repent that you've sinned, that you've grumbled, and most of all, that you haven't believed in God as you should have. 
See, our sin, that grumbling that you're experiencing or another type of sin, is just manifestations of our deeper core problem, and that is unbelief in God. And you need to repent of that unbelief. And you need to then believe that Jesus Christ at the cross pays for that sin of unbelief. Those moments of grumbling, those moments of sin where you were unbelieving in God, that Jesus Christ makes up for those by his death at the cross. So that when you face that living God, you will be okay. You'll be able to say, yes, I was wrong, but Jesus, my saviour, paid the penalty for my unbelief. And if you're not a Christian, I encourage you to do that today. If you've never believed in God, then you do have a problem of unbelief. And you need to deal with that unbelieving problem today. You need to address it. Because one day you will face the living God and he will be wrathful toward you for your unbelief in him. And so what are you to do? You're to repent and believe. You're to say sorry to God right now for your sinful actions, for your not trusting in him, and trust that Jesus Christ, when he died at the cross, took away your unbelief and paid for it. I encourage you to do that now. But I encourage also Christians to do it. I mean, who is this verse addressed to? What does it say in verse 12? See to it, brothers... Repentance and faith are not things that you do once and then never do again through your life as a Christian. Yes, there is that turning point where you believe and repent for the first time, but there should be ongoing repentance and faith when you recognize that you've sinned. You need to come before God again and say, I'm sorry. Forgive me through Jesus Christ. You need to do it again and again. You need to fix your unbelief when you see it manifest in your life. So we've seen, how do we see to it that we, don't, uh, that we believe? It's by checking for unbelief. It's by fixing unbelief by repentance and faith. I want to then bring up thirdly, my last point about how we can see to it that we believe, is by preventing unbelief in the first place. Preventing unbelief in the first place by prayer, meditation and practice. Now I can take the car illustration again. I'm a bit nervous about using car illustrations because I'm not someone that's into motor vehicles at all. I do drive them, I get into them, uh, but I do not have the same fascination for them as many of my um, male, uh, what does it say, uh, half of the species. Um, Yes, I do not show the same interest, but I still know something about cars. And a good car owner doesn't simply rely on warning lights Warning oil lights, if we take the oil example, he doesn't simply rely on those to tell him when there's something wrong. He prevents the oil light from ever coming on. And in my time of driving, which is uh, over a decade now, I've never seen the oil light come on in my car at all. Why is that? Well, I'm a good car owner and I get my car regularly serviced. Every six months or when it hits the 10,000 Ks, I then take it in for a service and I trust the mechanic to be able to do things to my vehicle to prevent the oil light from coming on at all. And that's what we need to do with our hearts as well. A Christian should be actively trying to prevent the 
the light coming on of sin or grumbling against God to show that there's a problem with unbelief in the heart. The Christian should be working towards that light never coming on at all. Yes, we're to keep an eye out for it, but we should be working so that we never see manifestations of unbelief in our hearts at all. How do we do that? Well, it's by increasing our faith. You may think you've already got faith. Ah, but is your faith the size that it should be? No, we all must admit that our faith is not as strong as it should be. And Jesus says, if your faith is as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, get up and go over there. And I haven't seen any mountains moving recently, so I'm assuming that pretty much the human population doesn't have faith the size of a mustard seed. We can all increase our faith. We can all do with having some more faith. So how do we get more faith and prevent unbelief from being in our hearts? Well, firstly, we need to beg God in prayer for the gift of faith. Faith, belief, trusting in God is a gift. We have to remember that. And the only way you can have faith in God is if God gives it to you. The only way you can have faith as small as a mustard seed or hopefully as small as a pumpkin seed, which is a bit bigger, is if God gives it to you. And so you must come before God humbly and ask him, Lord, increase my faith. Is that a prayer that you pray? Lord, increase my faith. It is a prayer we should be praying regularly in our Christian prayers, in our lives. We should be asking God to increase our faith so that we do not have an unbelieving heart. Also, we should meditate on who God is and who God's Son is and who the Holy Spirit is and what they've done. If you want to believe in something, then you must know something about that thing that you want to believe in. And so if I want to believe in the telecommunications companies that they are faithful, then I maybe should explore a little bit more of how faithful they are with other people and maybe I might have a little more faith in them. It's the same with God. If you want to have belief in God, then you must know more about him. And you must feed yourself regularly on those facts. Remind yourself of who God is and what he has done, and particularly what he has done in Jesus Christ for you. Because if you remember what God's love is like when he shows it at the cross, then there's a very good chance that you will believe it and that you will not sin because you keep on remembering of how good God was to you in giving his son for you. So you need to remind yourself of the cross regularly because that is where you see so many of the wonderful attributes of God, his mercy, his grace, his goodness, his justice, his holiness. It's all there at the cross. And that's why I keep bringing the cross up week by week here at church. I bring it up for the unbelievers who may be present, but I also bring it up for you believers because I know that you need to be reminded because if you forget what Jesus has done, well, then you're not going to believe it. And if you don't believe it, then you're going to start grumbling and you're going to start sinning. And so you need to be reminded, at least at church, but I hope you remind yourself through the week as well, of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ. 
You need to meditate upon that, pray about that, read about it, read the Bible and read good Christian books that encourage you to consider the cross and what Jesus has done there for you. So you need to to get more faith, you need to pray for faith, you need to meditate upon who God is and then also want to encourage you lastly to practice faith regularly, to practice trusting in God. Whenever you're tempted to sin, see that as an opportunity to trust God, to have belief in him. Not just simply an opportunity to not sin, but to show that you really do believe God is there and that he's all good, all powerful, and that he has done something marvellous for you in Jesus. Practice faith by saying, I want to sin, but I'm not going to because I believe what God has done for me is so much greater than that sin, the pleasure that that sin will give me, the happiness that I might get out of that sin is nothing in comparison to the happiness that I get out of the cross. And so, of course, I will trust that God and his word and that God himself exists and that God's word tells me the best way to live. I will trust in his word and I'll trust in him. And that's called practicing your faith. And I encourage you to do it. If you want to have a heart that is not a heart, a sinful heart of unbelief, then regularly practice trusting in God in those times of temptation. So do you grumble about what God is doing in your life? Do you grumble about your body, the relationships that you have with other people, and grumble against God for letting those things happen to you? Do you understand that you grumble because you don't believe in God as you should? That really at the core... Your problem is lack of faith in God. And so then do you see to it that you do not have an unbelieving heart? Do you see to it by checking for unbelief? By looking for sin in your life and then going, what's my problem? My problem is I'm not trusting in God. And then do you fix unbelief by repentance and faith? Or do you move on? You see the warning lights flashing up there, but you don't do anything about it. And then do you prevent unbelief by getting more faith through begging God for it, through meditating upon who God is and what he has done so that you know him, so you can trust him more and more? And then do you practice believing in him, particularly in times of temptation? Let's speak with our God now. Heavenly Father, we do repent before you now and acknowledge our sin, our sin of unbelief in you. We have not believed in you as we should. We are so inconsistent. One day we will affirm that we believe in Jesus Christ and the next day by our actions we show that we do not believe. Lord, we pray that you may forgive us through Jesus Christ. May we believe that his death for us pays for our unbelief. And Lord, we pray that you may keep us from unbelief, keep us from grumbling, keep us from sin by increasing our faith, by thinking more about who you are and by practicing faith in you regularly. When we're tempted to sin, Lord, may we recognize that if we sin, we deny you. 
and all your goodness, all your sovereignty. Lord, we pray that we may tremble to do so. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.